Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. Any parents in the room? Quite a few. I'll put my hand up. Nicole and I, we've got uh, three incredible children, um, Julia, Riley, and Caleb. And I love being a daddy. I think it's probably my favorite job. I just, it's the best. But I feel like parenting has changed a lot over the years, like since I was a kid. Like to put things in context, I was born in 1976. I know what you're thinking. There's no way I'm that old. But I am. I am. I know. I don't look a day over 19, but I am 42 years old, almost 43, and parenting's changed a lot since I was a kid. Like, for example, when I was growing up, when someone knocked on the front door, we were allowed to just yell, come in, without checking who it was first, right? Yeah. Anybody with me on that one? Nowadays, uh, we have those little holes. We have security cameras. We pull open our apps on our phone to see who's at the front door. Stranger danger. Those two words never went together when I was a kid. Um, what else was different? Well, my seatbelt was basically my mother's arm slamming into my chest when she uh, you know, hit the brakes too hard. Not only that, but I had a, a, a good friend. His mom had a station wagon, and she used to let us just, like, lie in the back of the station wagon. And then she would drive crazy on purpose, and we'd be rolling around back there. You just don't, you just don't have those opportunities anymore as a kid, right? Can I get an Amen. Yeah, it's just parenting. It's changed a lot. How about this one? Um, when I was learning to ride my bike, my dad just duct taped my feet to the pedals. And he's like, hey, if you stop, you're going to fall. So it's like do or die, baby. I feel, like, I feel like parenting's changed a lot. You know, we, we have terms nowadays like helicopter parenting. What's that new one we heard a little while ago? So, somebody said something. Lawnmower parenting? I've never heard of that one. But that exists in our world? Hmm, okay. I'm going to have to look that one up. Part of, part of being involved in a family is the gift of relationships. And the older I get, the more I acknowledge the gift of relationship with my parents. I'm, I'm grateful to say that my mother and my father, they, they still love each other. They're still married to each other. And I think this gift of family is that we get to have relationships, not, not only just around us, but, but above us and beneath us, and, and this beautiful thing called family. Family can be messy. Family can be hard. Family can be downright diabolical. And um, for some people in the room, I just want to say, I, I say the word family, and it, it might be like one of the worst words I could use because of what it pulls up inside of you. But I do want to say that the older I get, the more I can kind of look back and reflect on the sense that, that my parents did the things they did and said the things they said because they loved me. The things that they did, how, how they parented me and my, my two sisters and my brother, the, the things they did, the things they said, their motive was actually love. I didn't always feel that. <laughs> I remember the last time I got spanked. It was in the garage with a piece of two-by-two. Two. And, and I'm good. I'm good. And I shouldn't even say that publicly because, like, my dad and I, we're good. We laugh about it nowadays. But I remember the last time I got spanked. Um, and the things that my parents did and the things that they said, I didn't always, always agree with it. 
It wasn't always like my jam. It wasn't my favorite thing. They were still my parents. But I do have to say, the older I get, the more I look back, regardless of what they did, how they did it, and the things they said, I, I know that they loved me. And now I'm faced with these kinds of decisions as a dad. You know, parenting is hard. Some days it actually kind of sucks. It does. You know, um, sorry, I said the S word in church. Um, but it, it can be difficult. It can be something as simple as uh, you know, introducing my children to somebody new. This has been a frustrating thing for me as a dad because, um, because I'm extroverted. <laughs> That's probably why. Right? So when I, when I get to meet somebody new, it's easy peasy and lemon squeezy. I'm like, hey, good to meet you. You know, hand out, you know, hug, hug perfect strangers. Uh, that's, that's how I roll. And um, my children are, aren't always that way. And, and there's this, like, there's this different responses I saw as a dad over the years. I actually still see it with our youngest, Caleb. He's seven years old. And sometimes we want to introduce him to some, an, an adult. And, hey, this is Mr. Jones. Would you say hi? And he'll kind of, like, linger behind my leg. You know, and I'm always like, don't do that. That's rude. Come, come out from behind my leg. Don't, don't do that. You're being rude. Meet the new person. Shake their hand. And it's frustrating as just introducing your child to somebody new. Um, I've seen these responses. Some kids do it out of a sense of obligation because mom and dad are making them do it, right? Well, mom and dad expect me to meet this new person, so I'm like trying to be polite. Hello. Nice to meet you. I don't really mean that, but... Um, if I say something else, my parents will ground me from my cell phone for a week. Um, I, I see some kids, like just out of curiosity, you know, there's the, the curious looker. They're like behind the leg, but their head's out. I'm like, who is this person? Do they have candy? Right? Um, so the curiosity response, there's like the obligation, there's the curious response. And then there's the, the outright, the desire, like my daughter Julia. Like I, I don't have to ask her to meet new people. And matter of fact, when she was three, I was walking through the bay looking at shoes and I, I turned my back, and like, where's Julia? And she was like 15 feet away talking to four senior citizens. She was just in the middle of the circle, like, hi, I'm Julia. What's your name? Right? I, she just has this desire to meet new people. And in all these situations, um, and plus parenting in, in general, uh, it, can be, it can be challenging. And I don't know, maybe your parenting journey is different than mine. Maybe your parenting journey is beautiful and perfect and lovely and good. Um, but that's not my experience. And um, a short time ago, my wife discovered in our, in our like, main floor bathroom, the guest bathroom, there's a little garbage can in there. And in the garbage can, she discovered urine. Hang with me. I know everyone's like, this just got gross on Easter Sunday. I know there's a point. Hang with me. And, and this, she's like, somebody peed in the, in the trash can. I'm like, well, it wasn't me. <laughs> I set the record straight. And uh, so, I mean, we have two sons. And our youngest son, Caleb, uh, he's a lot of fun. And, and to his own credit, Caleb never lies. He, uh, he always tells the truth. And so like, anytime I'm like, Caleb, did you punch your brother? Yeah, I did. Like, he never, he never denies it. He's never... And, and so I'm like, oh, this will be easy. So we call the boys down. And like, one of you guys thought it would be entertaining to do something in a, in a trash can that we normally do in a toilet. Which one was it? And Riley's like, Dad, it wasn't me. He's 11 years old. Dad, it wasn't me. And Caleb's like, I didn't do it. And Caleb never lies. So I look at Riley. I'm like, you didn't do it, huh? 
He's like, I, I didn't, Dad. I didn't do it. I'm like, really? Well, one of you did it. Caleb, was it you? No, Daddy. I didn't do it. I'm like, I believe him. He never lies. And so I'm like, Riley, upstairs. We're going to go have a chat. And Riley bursts into tears. He's like, oh, honest, Dad. I didn't do it. So I'm like, I'll deal with this upstairs, right? So we're going to have a conversation because that's how we discipline nowadays. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're about to go upstairs, and Caleb starts to cry. I'm like, wait a second. Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. This was one of my more challenging because I'm like, Riley almost took the heat. Like, I was ready to go through with whatever the consequence was going to be. It wasn't going to be a two-by-two two across his bum cheeks, just so everybody knows. It was a different kind of consequence. But Riley was about to take the heat for something that Caleb did. And, and I, was, I was, like, at this, like, I never experienced that as a dad. Uh, what just happened? My whole world just turned up. Caleb lied to me. My beautiful seven-year-old youngest, third-born, always tells the truth deceived me. And so we had to work through this as a family. Um, but in all of my moments as a dad, all of my moments, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, no matter what's gone down or what's been said, there's, there's always one thing that I want my kids to know and one, one thing I want my kids to experience. And it's this. You can always come talk to daddy because daddy loves you. If I could drive that home with my kids, um, I think our parenting journey, and I, I say I, I'm not going to speak on behalf of my wife, except I know she shares this value. You can always come to me. doesn't matter what's happened. You can always come to me. I love you. This is between us. We're good. Easter Sunday is a bit of an interesting thing at um, a brand new church. We're six months in, and I feel a little bit like a parent today introducing some of you to somebody new. And in the room here are, are basically three kinds of people. There's people in the room here that you're here out of a sense of obligation because it's Easter and I should go to church on Easter Sunday. You're here out of a sense of obligation or maybe even somebody made you come. Like, come to church. It's rude if you don't go on Easter. It's important, right? Um, maybe you're a teenager in the room and your parents bribed you um, and that's why you're here. I don't know. I don't know. But some of you in the room are here based out of a sense of obligation or maybe somebody made you. There are other people in the room that are here just because you're curious. Right? I, know, I know Easter's a thing, with the bunnies and the chocolate, but apparently there's some spiritual significance. I'm kind of curious. What's this all about? And so out of sheer curiosity, uh, you walk through the door and find yourself a spot to sit today. And lastly, there are people in the room that are here out of 100% out of pure desire. They're like, I'm in. I'm yours. I won't hesitate. Right? The, the lyrics of that song, you're like, that's me. Um, I love Jesus. Right? I'm, to I'm totally going, not only do you, did you come today, but you were here last week, Sunday, and you're coming back next week, and you'll be here on Mother's Day, and you'll be here in, in July when everybody else is at the lake. You're, gonna, you're, you're that kind of person. Out of pure desire, you, you love gathering with the church on Sundays. Maybe you're obligated. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you had a strong desire to be here today. I don't know. Regardless of why you're in the room today, why you came to me is irrelevant. What comes next is actually what's important. What comes after you walk out of these doors at the end of the service, that's what matters. Can I convince us of Easter's validity 
that Jesus actually was who he claimed to be and that he lived and that he died and that he rose from the dead? Can I convince you of that? Not going to try. Can I convince you that you need God in your life, that if you're a, a curious person or, or uh, the, the coerced one sitting in the room, that um, can I convince you that, that God should play a role in your, in your journey? No, I'm not even going to try. Because you can always come to God. There's actually never a moment where you can't be real with God, you can't be yourself with God, you can't ask the questions that you struggle with and wrestle with. Everything that God worked out in detail, everything that he worked out from the dawn of creation until this moment, it was all for love. Always. And so I'm content with wherever you're at. But I do want to know what comes after today. Because I hold this belief. God loves you. You. And he'll do whatever it takes to convince you of his love. Friday night, um, Nicole and I sat down with our oldest two kids, and we watched uh, the film The Passion of the Christ in its entirety, and it's heavy, and uh, Julius 13, or Riley's 11, and it's heavy. I mean, to see on, on a screen in high definition in front of you um, a, a very accurate portrayal of a Roman crucifixion, which I think still goes down in history as probably the worst way to die. Um, to see that play out, and I was, I was actually watching my kids probably more than I was watching the screen. There's a scene um, after Jesus has been crucified where a group of his followers um, come to the cross and they take him down from the cross. And one of those characters in history is a man named Nicodemus. And we read about Nicodemus kind of three times um, in, in this, the second half of the Bible, what we call the New, the New Testament and it's new because of Jesus, by the way. I'm just going to say that. But in the book of John, um, chapter 19, it says this, Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, came now in broad daylight, carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. And in context, um, people who were crucified on a Roman cross didn't get buried. They actually were left on that cross until the vultures took care of it. It's a little gory, but that was normal. And so there was um, two men that publicly asked if they could bury Jesus. And they had this just a massive amount of, of myrrh and aloes, 75 pounds, um, which most scholars would say that was enough for a, a, a royal burial. And Nicodemus, they, they took Jesus' body and following the Jewish burial custom, they wrapped it in linen with spices. And there was a garden near the place that Jesus was crucified. You can visit that garden today. And in that garden, there was a new tomb in which no one had yet been placed. Because it was Sabbath prep for the Jews, the tomb was convenient, so they placed Jesus inside this tomb. Nicodemus. I find it interesting here that it actually makes this statement. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, came now in broad daylight. I love that. What changed? Because we actually read about Nicodemus earlier in the same book in the Bible, John chapter 3. And there's a story there about Nicodemus at, Nicodemus at nighttime coming to Jesus to ask him some questions. And what you have to know about Nick is brother Nick was a part of the Sanhedrin. Everybody say Sanhedrin. Gesundheit. Um, the Sanhedrin were a, an elect group of rabbis that helped govern and rule. And if you know anything about um, the Jewish leaders, when Jesus was alive and well, they, they didn't particularly 
care for Jesus. They thought he was a rebel. He was teaching things that they'd, they'd never taught before and causing uh, an uprising in the people. And in John 3, verse 3 and 4, here's what it actually says. Jesus talking to Nicodemus. He says, Nick, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person's born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to, to God's kingdom. And Nicodemus is like, if you're, if you're at all familiar with this story, it's kind of cool. He's like, uh, Jesus, um, how can anyone be born who's already been born and grown up? You can't reenter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you talking about? And this dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus, who's actually a very intelligent man. And if you read this, if you go home this week and open up your Bible to John 3, verses 1 through 15, you'll read this story where Jesus is kind of like, dude, you're smart. You should be able to tap into what I'm talking about isn't a physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. It's like the wind blowing. You can't really see what's going on on the outside, but you feel its effect on the inside. And What I'm inviting you into is this deeper spiritual life where every day, you and me, Nick, we're entwined. My spirit, your spirit, it's ongoing, it's beautiful, and it's good. A couple of thoughts about Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus on behalf of the San- Sanhedrin. He came on behalf of another group of people, but Jesus responded to him as an individual. I see in our world people struggling to represent a group of people to come at Christianity. And you know what I love about Jesus? He never responds to the group. He always responds to the one. Nick was there under cover of darkness because just in case this didn't go well, he wanted to make sure he had a backup plan. He wanted to make sure he could sneak out undetected, wouldn't get in trouble with the, with the rest of the boys in the robes and stuff. And, and so he came to Jesus under cover of darkness on behalf of the group that he represented. But Jesus didn't speak to him on behalf of the group. Jesus spoke to him one-on-one because with Jesus, it's always personal because he loves you. He loves you. It's always personal. We also learned that Nick came at night, and perhaps he was in a state of spiritual darkness. Matter of fact, most people that study this stuff, they're like the under cover of darkness. It actually means two things. It means he came at nighttime when it was black, but he came in a state of spiritual darkness. He began to question all these things I've believed, everything I've read in the Jewish Bible, everything I've built my life on, is it actually what I'm meant to follow? Or is there something more? Is there something deeper? Is there something more meaningful? And so under cover of darkness, both spiritually and emotionally and physically, maybe it's just that he was embarrassed about being Jesus curious. I don't know. But I do know this. Number two, you can be ashamed. You can be scared. You can be embarrassed about faith but you can still have full access to Jesus because he loves you. It doesn't matter what you're feeling on the inside. We also learn from Nicodemus that he's generally considered to be, you know, somebody who's on the outside of Jesus' tribe, attached to this not super friendly group of people who uh, were even antagonistic towards Jesus. And I saw this play out in film on Friday night as as the Sanhedrin brought Jesus before the court, before the Roman leadership, and asked that they would crucify him. It was the religious leaders that took Jesus and said, enough is enough. And Nicodemus was a part of that. 
But here's the cool thought for us in this room today. Maybe you're maybe you were coerced into coming here. Maybe you're just curious and walk through the door. Maybe you have just this intense desire to gather together with other Jesus followers on Easter Sunday. But it doesn't change that we never have to have it all together in order to come to Jesus because he loves you. And there exists this, this belief that one day, if, if and when I'm fill in the blank, good enough, strong enough, smart enough, spiritual enough, whatever thing you fill that blank in with. But Jesus says, no. You come under cover of darkness. Maybe you're spiritually dark. Maybe you're just embarrassed about me, but you still came, and so it doesn't change how much I love you. And the last thing we learned from Nicodemus as a Jewish man, you know, he held a belief that simply because he was born a Jew, that he would inherit eternal life. He believed, I'm a Jew, I'm good. I was born into this thing, so between me and God, it's all good. And Jesus absolutely destroys this belief system in Nicodemus. He says, ah, uh, sorry, uh, you've had it all wrong, fella. Um, it's actually not about what you've been born into. It's about what you choose to be born into again. I don't care what you experienced growing up as a little Jewish boy. I don't care when you were circumcised or what you learned in. I mean, those things are great. But it doesn't actually impact your relationship with God. There isn't a a system, a religion, or a family heritage that gives us access to Jesus. It's just Jesus. Why? Because Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you. This account of one person coming to Jesus under cover of dark to have everything about himself that was good and normal, to have it all stripped away, only to be found whole in the presence of Jesus. Like, what caused a well-known Jewish rabbi to sheepishly seek out Jesus under cover of darkness one day and then fully go public in his love for Jesus just a short time later? Like, we've got these two accounts. One time it's dark and he's, it's late and he's coming in secret. And then after the deed is done, his tribe crucified Jesus and he goes boldly in daylight to embrace the broken body of, of his now king and savior. What changed in Nicodemus? This account of one person coming to Jesus under cover of dark to have everything about himself stripped away only to be found whole in the presence of Jesus. Well, this account actually gave way to one of the most well-known responses of all time. We read in John 3, verses 1 through 15, about Nicodemus coming to Jesus at dark. And then in verse 16, has anybody ever heard of John 3, 16? Anybody? Show of hands. I think even if you've never been to church before, you've seen it on a poster down on White Ave. I'm, I'm sorry that you had to see that poster. But I think most people in the room are familiar with the follow-up verse to this story about Nicodemus. And John, as he's writing his, his account of what happened between Jesus and Nicodemus, in response to this conversation, John says, this is how much God loved the world he gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in Jesus, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. God actually sent Jesus to help to put the world right again 
Anyone who trusts in Jesus is acquitted, set free. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without even knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. This is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the cover of darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial, addicted to illusion, they hate the God light and they won't come near it, fearing that it's going to painfully expose them. But anyone working out and living in truth and reality welcomes God light so the work can be seen for the work, the God work it is. With Jesus, it's always personal because he loves you. You can be ashamed, scared, embarrassed about faith and still have access, full access to Jesus because he loves you. You never have to have it all together in order to come to Jesus because he loves you. There isn't a system, a religion, or a family value or family heritage that gives us access to Jesus because Jesus loves you. It's actually our own unique, one-of-a-kind, individual encounter with this love that has us responding the same way that John did. And that's, that's what I want to challenge you to take with you as you leave this room today. This is how much God loves me. He gave me his only son, his one and only son. And why God did that for me is that so I would never have to be destroyed. By believing in Jesus, I can have a whole and lasting life. Have you ever tried to explain the Christian faith to a seven-year-old? It's challenging. On Friday night, before dinner, we just sat around as a family and, and talked about the significance of Good Friday and why we call it Good Friday. And Caleb was restless. He was hungry. He's seven. He was fidgety. He was like, you know, doing circles on the floor and falling on the couch and I had this epiphany. I was like, ah. I said, Caleb, do you remember when you peed in the garbage can? And he stopped and he looked at me and he goes, I remember, Dad. I said, do you remember the consequence? He was like, yeah. I didn't have screens for a week. No screen time. I know, we're tough parents. I said, how would you feel if in that moment Riley stepped in, put his hand around your shoulder and said, Caleb, I love you. This is crazy what you did. Who pees in a garbage can? And I know you did it, but I'm going to take the consequence for you. And Caleb turned to his brother. He's like, you do that? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, well, what if? Like, hypothetically. And I could tell it settled into his brain. He's like, wow. So that's what Jesus did. Jesus paid a price. Jesus took my consequence. Jesus covered it. Like I know that there's stuff between me and God that I'm ashamed of. But Jesus sweeps in and says, it's okay. I got this. You just put your trust and your faith in me. There's three kinds of people in the room here on Easter Sunday. There's people that are here out of obligation because someone made you. There's people that are here that are just curious. You're Jesus curious. What's this all about? There's people that have made a heartfelt, intentional decision to follow Jesus with their whole life. Regardless of why you're in the room or why you've come, what comes next is most important. 
And I just want to close by saying that if you're here today out of obligation, then perhaps an encounter with real love will lead you into a journey of asking some real questions and sparking some real curiosity in you. And if you're here today and you're curious, perhaps an encounter with real love will lead you into a more bold and and public decision to follow Jesus, much like Nicodemus, where he said, screw it. I'm going to run to the feet of my broken Savior, and I don't care who knows about it. If this costs me everything, I'm still going to go. And if you're curious today, maybe this encounter with love will pull that kind of response out of you. You're like, you know what? I've been curious a little too long. What does it look like for me to go all in? And lastly, if, if it was a sincere desire that brought you here today, perhaps an ongoing encounter with this love, this magnificent, beautiful love, will lead you to remember why you are loved. We're loved so that other people can experience that same kind of love. That's why we're loved. Wherever you fit, Jesus' sacrifice, it was all for love. Amen? God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here together, to physically turn up into a space like this and and talk openly about how good you are and how relentless you are in your pursuit of the one. And we've gathered as a group today, but your, your voice and your spirit, it's speaking to each one of us individually. It's speaking to us because that's how much you love us. You don't treat us as a pack. You treat us as sons and daughters. And so for the one that's here today, out of a sense of obligation, it's Easter, so I should probably just go to church. I pray that their encounter with love today would remind them that we were never asked to go to church. We were invited to become church. It's meaningful and lasting and ongoing and messy and beautiful all at the same time. And for the one here who's just sort of curious about Jesus, maybe this encounter with love today would lead them to a place of saying, "Ah, you know what, I'll lay it all on the line. I don't care who knows. I'm going public with this. I want to follow Jesus. And for those of us that came out of sincere desire today, as we've been reminded of this amazing sacrifice of love, that we would remember why we're loved. It's for others to encounter that same kind of love. Not for us to hold on to, but for us to give away. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you that your heart beats for us as a father loves his kids. We might not always understand. We might not always even agree with, but you still call us deeper in to encounter and experience your great love. It's not family heritage. It's not religion. It's not what we've learned up till now. It's just a heart and a life surrendered and submitted to your love.
Thank you, God. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.